Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the major places where you can find podcast content. You can, for some reason, find Kyle and I as well. You can also connect with us on social media, at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, the Longhorn Republic on Facebook, and you can shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Well, my name is Gerald Goodridge, still dealing with allergies, and I'm joined by a man who's feeling like Brian Adams, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, I'm feeling fantastic. Brian Adams, obviously the uh, the toughest Canadian since Chuba Hubbard, but uh, there, there's a reason that we're referencing um, the the Sultan of Smooth. The uh, I'm sure he has actual uh, nice Canadian. Uh, nicknames there but uh, there's a reason we're referencing mr adams the uh the please forgive me and uh i don't remember his other hits except the one that i'm intentionally leaving out we're, we're playing this week baby like it's the summer of 69 first of all don't you besmirch alan thick by calling brian adams the toughest canadian okay. alan thick resents that remark Alan Thick resents that remark. I'm surprised you didn't go with the have you ever really loved a woman. That feels more like something that Kyle would, have you ever really loved to understand? Like, that just feels like you, Kyle. There, um, there is a thing about Brian Adams. He could both, you could convince me that he sang every single song and also that every single song of his is somebody else's. Like, he's the ultimate, like, Napster days miss, you know, uh, qualified. It's like, Sting, when you download it. It's like, no, that's not Sting. He didn't sing Summer of 69 or Springsteen. Or, you know, it's like, it's, <laughs> the guy is terrible for the metadata. <laughs> I love that you reference that, because to this day, good friend of ours, Raymond Summerlin, and I fight about a song that he downloaded, that Napster told him was sung by Babyface, that is absolutely not sung <laughs> by Kenneth Babyface Williams. And we, we still, two decades later, are having the same argument. But we're not here to talk about weird things in our friend group. We're here to talk about the Texas Longhorns taking on the Kansas Jayhawks. A little bit of a stand-up-and-stretch game, we'll call it. The last two games have been a little bit tough outing for the Texas Longhorns. They're taking on the Kansas Jayhawks at home in some throwback uniforms. Now, I am a firm believer that the Texas Longhorns do not need alternate uniforms. However, they're rocking classic uniforms to honor the 1969 National Championship team. So when when we talk alternate uniforms, the alternate uniforms are a white helmet with a Longhorn logo and a number on it a burnt orange uniform with beautiful block letters, no patches on the front, yes and amen, white pants, black socks, black shoes. So basically the same uniform, except the numbers look real classic. And I kind of want to spend too much money buying one of these uh, jerseys. I'm not a jersey guy, but I love the look of them. But they'll be wearing, looking like a million bucks taking on Kansas, who's coming off of a bye week, two and four, through the first seven weeks of the season. Yeah, and and, and UT... We'll we'll dive into it and talk about it, but they need to look as uh, 
as good as that 1969 uh, team. Um, they need to come out and just uh, and truly dominate people. I mean, I, I think this is a week for a statement, and we will break down exactly what we think you know is going to take to be there and how they're going to do that. Um, but I, I don't know how long in advance they play in this. I truly, full transparency, uh, don't know. But it, it, it seems timely that this is a chance uh, for UT to come out and, and say something. And I called it a stand-up-and-stretch game uh, only only facetiously uh, but it really is kind of a like, let's work out the, I think of like when you stand up off the couch and your bones creak and you realize that you're, I'm a little of a few years older than I feel like, that's kind of what I feel like Texas is going to do in this game. Uh, so Kansas, not great on offense, 354 yards per game to uh, 22.8 points per game. Puka Williams is kind of the, the was one of the bright spots going into the season a little down this year. Uh, 90 attempts, 440 yards, only averaging 74.17 yards per game. But he's a guy who could break one off at any point. Uh, Carter Stanley is working the offense pretty well, not making many mistakes. Um, completing 65% of his passes for 1,175 yards, 14 touchdowns, just two interceptions. So they're, the Kansas offense is not without players, right? Because he's got Andrew Parchment out there with just a great great name and having some decent games 442 yards four touchdowns this season so like there's there's offense there are guys out there but this seems like a game that texas could probably win uh, just on talent alone you you assume that right it should be every year that um that texas can do that to kansas uh, there may be a running internet joke to prove that that hasn't happened every year we can we can neither confirm nor deny um that that texas has ever lost to kansas but no i mean truly they might have to vacate that win i'm just saying (laughs) i mean truly that that marked the you know the start of the next era of texas football so it is it is an important moment in school history in in some odd way um but you know this is I, i talked last on the ou recap show um about uh great teams cover if texas is going to cover it's a 21 and a half point spread that this thing opens with. So I think there is a great chance for, like you said, stand up and stretch the health recovery that kind of get the muscles undone. It's you're in the middle of a workout and you have kind of the, the stretch period in it before you go for your final, final sprint. That's what it is. Um, it, it's not a bye week by any means. Cause you have that mentality and you mess around and get beat. I mean, Texas only beat Kansas last year by one touchdown, right? So when you talk about this Kansas offense, and we, we, we certainly know the shape and of the you know mash unit that is the Texas defense, this is a chance for there's some ores on the depth chart. Um, this is a chance for you know guys like Overshown for for you know the cornerbacks Jamison Cook, um, Boyce, those guys to you know to really show, hey, this is why I was a five star recruit. BT Dubs. It's a chance for Brandon Jones to uh, you know assert himself and say this is why i'm a senior leader this is why i'm a captain this is how you do it you can do it against bad teams you can play perfect play aggressive play down the hill stay within yourself and do that you can take that and transfer it to other games so i think this is more a chance for texas's offense and again it's like a nice light simulator um gerald for instance think like the assassin's creed tutorial um it's like a nice simulation before you get to the uh to the big meaty part when there's stuff on the line because puka williams you know he can still hurt you he was a dynamic runner last year um so i mean it's it's there is still 
there is still the shape of a Big 12 offense here. So that was a reference to me not being able to get past the Assassin's Creed demo and returning the game after 15 <laughs> minutes because I was annoyed. Uh, so thank you for that, Kyle. But no, so I I, I think that's – like this is this is setting up – now I don't think this is the Texas team that we have, but this is where your average team has a, has a letdown week and if if not flat out loses to a, a significantly uh, worse team, they at least struggle to put them away. And so I think this is this again with a team not coached by Tom Herman and, and a lot of the the good. We talked a lot in our recap show about some struggles, some issues maybe we had with the coaching staff. But I think one thing they do really well is preach the one and zero mindset, and I think that will continue to bear itself out. But I think the real question we talked a lot. On Tuesday, on, I guess on Tuesday when we talked, Wednesday when we posted the show, we talked a lot in our recap show about the defensive unit and their struggles against Oklahoma. And this is a game where I think hopefully they can stand up and stretch and, and work out some of those things. So what do you want to see? We'll start with the defense because we started with the Kansas offense. What do you want to see? from the, the Texas defense uh, against Kansas to really kind of make you feel better coming off of OU. To keep the Brian Adams theme going, I want to see him cut just like a knife. Um, <laughs> I saw your face when you found that name, and I'm so glad it happened. Um, you know, but, but truly, I, I want to see some pressure. I want to see them getting in the backfield and having plays for, for negatives. I think the OU defense getting downhill gave the Texas offense so much trouble. Um, I think this is a chance to not be reactive, to be proactive. I think, um, again, it doesn't have to be blitzing four guys, but hopefully that defensive line can reassert. Um, Coburn can, can push the edge and the people come with him um, or kind of be, he's been at the, the tip of that spear. It's just, there was nothing behind him um, and, and, and do kind of like they did uh, against, uh, against Oklahoma state really limiting Hubbard. I think you can do the same thing with Puka and then make Carter Stanley beat you. Um, I think uh, I'd like to see some turnovers, but I mean, really, I just want to see cutting like, like a knife. So I think the thing I really want to see from the Texas defense is, a guy looked dominant in coverage. Like Texas needs good play from its corners as as it continues to go through Big Twelve. Because like Denzel Mims is still looming in the horizon. You hear the John Williams dun dun dun, and the and you haven't seen the fin of the shark yet, but the shark is out there. Like you've got you got Baylor still on the horizon. You still got Texas Tech on the horizon. You still got even Iowa State still on the horizon, right? So there, there are a lot. I, I need this Texas secondary to step up. And and a guy that I really want to see and I think probably could be a stud for Texas moving forward is Deshaun Jamison, who's played really well um, moving forward. Uh, or kind of, you know, Texas is, is banged up in the secondary. And so uh, Jamison's going to probably hear his number called quite a bit. And according to Pro Football Focus, Deshaun Jamison is tied for fourth in the country for lowest passer rating when targeted. So he's he's tied for fourth with um, with Al Blades Jr. of Miami, who is going to be a very very highly sought after NFL prospect here pretty quick. So like Jamison can be the dude, and I want, I think that's something that we could uh, we could see, and so I want to see somebody because. One of the things we talked about last year about why the Orlando defense was struggling is that Texas didn't really have its lockdown corner because the, when, when this defense is at its best, it has quick linebackers that can play sideline to sideline, and it has one guy that can lock down a receiver and let the other 
four guys in the secondary just kind of play free. And so who's that guy? Is it going to be Jamison? Like, who is it going to be? Because I think that's the question uh, that I still need to have answered. I think Cook played a good game last week, and so I would be very curious to see which one of those two steps up um, because I, I think ultimately Jalen Green comes back in and, and the way he played in the beginning of the season is probably that number one quarterback. But right now they're playing each other um, for that, that number two spot you know, to, to wrap the season up. But uh, in, in future, right, we're, we're all talking about really young guys, so you know they're going to add more in the mix. So you have to earn and then hold your spot. But, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think for me, uh, I, I am very curious if, if Overshone, who, who appears to be starting at safety, um, is able to to turn some, some plays because he's, he's looked good, just hasn't got a ton of minutes, but turn that into um, su- some sustained success. Um, and, and also, you know, Someone's going to be out there vacuuming up tackles. Wonder if Osai or Brandon Jones, who really who really wants this tackle title uh, for the defense? Because you you have uh, a couple guys healthy who are who are probably um, the the Vegas favorites to to end the season as the the leading tackler on the team. So who's going to be out there just vacuuming up tackles against Kansas this week? I think that's that's something that needs to be seen. So on the defensive side for Kansas, giving up twenty nine point seven yards per play, four hundred and forty five yards per game 105th in the country texas uh seven spots behind them in that particular stat um so what do you want to see from the texas offense against an overmatched hopefully fingers crossed kansas defense you think about this kansas defensive unit and they got a couple guys from louisiana um they they they, uh they did an interesting even before les got there recruiting tactics there's a lot of talent there and just saying like hey do you want to go to you know ooh la la or la tech or something or do you want to jump up into a power five and they're able to get some guys that's that's where puka came from basically but um but so there is some talent but for the most part um this is a a kansas defensive unit that's pretty midwestern like it's pretty just kind of when you think about a lot of that you know tornado belt of of the conference where it's like yeah, they got a couple pretty big guys, and they got a little bit of speed, but they just have some guys who just go out there and hit you and tackle, and you know they should be exploitable with Texas's weapons. I mean, to to that effect, um, you can really say they are Midwestern because their leading tackler is named Bryce Tornaden. Um, his his last name is Tornaden. If that doesn't sound like someone in Oklahoma uh, talking about you know what happened, what their activities are for this week, well, I might just get ahead and go Tornaden when buddies get out in the truck. But um, anyways, uh, but yeah, I mean so this should be a team that that Texas takes advantage of. Um, the number one thing for me is is the offensive line getting redemption. Um, that including especially the running game. And then the stat I threw in here, Gerald, that they failed to really create or exploit this particular part of their offense, but Texas has been elite with the play action. Um, even though the running game's been up or down, Sam Ellinger right now is fourth in the NCAA, completing almost just a, a hair under 76% of his passes coming after a play action setup. So, this is a game where you, you, you can lead with the run and then let you know let that extra second for a play to develop for Ellinger to do what he's done best. So I think that combination of getting the run, line executing, and then letting Sam, for the love of God, after the past two weeks, have have some easy plays, have some some stat padding, 
you know, big plays where he doesn't have to get hit and doesn't have to uh, doesn't have to take it all on his shoulders. So first off, on the tornadoing thing that you mentioned, um, as somebody who's lived in Oklahoma for a decade, it's a very real thing that when the tornado sirens go off, a lot of people go on their front porch rather than to their storm shelter. So that's a real thing. Uh, so it's like you've hit the nail on the head in so many ways. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I don't even know where I was going to go after that. So there's no good segue out of that. So I'll just start talking. I, I really think like this has to be the game where the Texas offense figures out who it's, who it's go-to guys is, are going to be other than Devin Duvernay. Who are going to be the guys that you like in in a clutch moment? I can go to these three guys, right? Because what teams are doing now, we saw this against OU is on third downs. They're like, Hey, throw it to anybody, but Devin Duvernay, we're going to, we're going to put, we're going to put somebody over the top of Devin Duvernay. So you got to figure it out. And so I think Texas did a little bit of that against OU with Colin Johnson, who was the team's leading receiver. And so I think Sam needs to prove that he isn't just madly and dearly in love with the slot position and he can spread the ball around a little bit. I also think that the receivers need to shake off some of the dropsies that they had against OU. Mm -hmm. I think that's a thing that I really, really will call a sign of success for Texas is no drop passes. Colin Johnson had, that is the most uncharacteristic play of Colin Johnson's career. That guy very rarely, if ever drops passes, he's the guy who reaches out of bounds four yards and catches a pass. He's the guy that does a baseball slide across the backside of the end zone and catches a touchdown. So like I I need, and really the guy I need is Brennan Eagles because even when he catches the ball, it's kind of an adventure. The, the real long touchdown pass he had, he almost dropped it. So uh, I I need them to figure that out. And I think that's going to be something that Texas should be able to, uh, to shore up against Kansas. So if I hear you correctly, this week, Gerald, the receivers are are telling or asking Sam Ellinger to please forgive me. That's another Brian Adams. That might be my last one. I don't I I would not bet on that being your last one. We still have a solid like twelve minutes of podcasting left <laughs> in us. So really quickly we do want to give an injury rundown because there are uh just a few of them. Uh so Chris Brown suffered a, a fractured forearm against OU. He will be out at least six weeks, they're saying he could return for the season finale against Tech in Austin, but probably not. Likely a a bowl game, if not the Big 12 championship game. Uh, so Overshone and Estelle are going to be, they're listed on the depth chart as co-starters at that safety position. Overshone himself is coming off of, he's a couple of weeks removed from a, a vertebrae injury that limited his playing time against OU. Uh, Jeff McCullough is going to be out a dislocated shoulder, so they, they didn't put a, a timetable on it, but said several weeks, so that linebacking group continues to get thinner. Looks like Dele is going to be the starter at Rover. Uh, Jawan Mitchell will get the nod at Mac. Uh, Colin Johnson took a helmet-to-helmet hit that was not called, but he was not diagnosed with a concussion. He left the game, did not return. Still under evaluation, but has been working out with the team. So we'll know more as the end of the week approaches. Uh, Whittington still going to be out, not coming back. Uh, same goes for Caden Stearns and Jalen Green. All of those guys will not be playing against Kansas. That's uh, that's that's the that's the tough part. But the the idea is that whoever's number two, whoever's number three on those depth charts should still be better. Um, than a Kansas team that 
Uh, it does have two. They do have two wins this year, um, but one of them is against Indiana State. And the only reason you've ever heard of them is that's where Larry Bird played basketball. So again, Kansas, Indiana State, football. Um, the other against Boston College just seems like a crazy outlier now, but they lost by some 40 points to TCU and to the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, which, Gerald, if you didn't know what a feisty Chanticleer was, then you should watch Les Miles when asked in the press conference earlier in the season because we haven't really talked about the fact that Kansas is coached by Les Miles. Um, but uh, the the best part that he's brought immediately to that team is some fantastic press game. Uh, you know, just, just instant upgrade. No, no shade at it, David Beattie, but... Uh, his uh, his response, you should look for it on on what a Chanticleer is, was uh, reminded me. I'm I'm happy to have old, old Les back in the Big Twelve. It's always good to have Leslie on the sidelines. Football is better when Les Miles is coaching. So this is the part of the show where we do our predictions. We call it firing Smokey. Kyle, what are you firing Smokey on this week? So uh, I was trying to find a good Brian Adams uh, tie-in. I was going to go run to you. Um, it was originally written for Blue Oyster Colt, but Adams released it in 1984 in a studio album. Reckless served as first of six singles uh, for for Mr. Adams, uh, coming peaking at number six on the the Hot 100. And and in that vein, I think Texas is going to run. I think they're going to run the football. Um, I mentioned it earlier about the play action pass, but just in general, I think this is going to be a a run heavy offense i think because the offensive line excels in in that or has up before the ou game through the season in that arena it'll be a good chance to get some normalcy kind of get the uh get the uh metronome swinging again to give us that timing for the entire offense um kansas is giving up 220 yards per game um, UT is is fallen quite low given the, the OU performance um, to 70th in the game, averaging 163. I think that the number will be much closer uh, to the Kansas than the UT number, and I'm even going to go ahead and say that they will they will they will best the 220 um, that Kansas is giving up and, and and run for 225 yards between uh, obviously your, your, your Roshan, uh, Keontae, Sam. And I'm really hoping that the depth chart even flushes out enough. If, if they can make this a, a, you know, a big game or we can see some more Kirk Johnson, maybe some Danny Young, get the other guys um, a chance in there in the fourth quarter. I'd love a Kirk carry, but I think 225 is the mark. And I think that's a sign of success because that means Texas has, taking control of the game. Let's have another 38-0 like they were starting the season with where you get the starters uh, off the field. Um, but they haven't really had big, huge, dominating wins against Kansas like they should even when they're the better team. So that would be, for me, the way that you do that is run the ball, take, you know, leave no doubt. So it's firing Smokey this week on on the quarterback QB1 Sam Ellinger. He hasn't been a guy that's come up a lot in this segment because – well, we knew what Sam's going to do, but against OU, Sam was held without a passing touchdown for the third time in uh, his career. It happened last year against Baylor, of all teams, and then the Georgia Bulldogs. Actually, against Baylor last year, he was held without a single touchdown uh, at all, which is, again, such a weird stat because Texas won that game. But that's neither here nor there. The game following Baylor, Samuel L. Ellinger, went for four total touchdowns, two through the air, two rushing. I'm predicting 
that Sam Ellinger does the same thing against the uh, against the Kansas Jayhawks. Two passing, two rushing touchdowns en route to leading the Longhorns to victory. I like that. That's uh, very specific this week. We didn't try to hedge too much. Maybe that's the nice thing about being a, a three-touchdown-plus favorite is you can, you can come out and make some declarative uh, statements. Though I tried to do that last week and was admittedly uh, embarrassed on my Podstradamus pick. Gerald, I, 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 I want to, before we get any uh, any further outside of this particular game, I want to um, I want to posit a score, not as much a prediction, but what would be a nice for me, and I'm going to couch it in this since we're talking about the season of 1969, obviously a magical season where Texas went undefeated, um, won in the Cotton Bowl um, to secure their uh, national championship that season. But they did not play Kansas that year. Um, they had their biggest win against another opponent uh, who is in the Big 12 um, now. Do you do you want to guess or do you want me to tell you who that opponent was and what their score was. The Oklahoma Sooners? Unfortunately not. They had a nice 27-17 to 17 healthy victory over them. Um, you also may have thought, uh, if I didn't say Big 12, you may have gone to Navy because that was a really memorable game where they beat Navy 56-17, to 17, which is always a fun thing to do, especially if you remember Navy was uh, quite good in those, those days. But actually, it was uh, TCU. You mentioned them. They're coming up. Um, they beat TCU fittingly in the summer of 69. Actually, not that it was the fall of 69. They they beat them 69-7. to um, So I'm hoping that you can get the really nice score this week against the uh, against the Kansas Jayhawks of UT winning 69-7. to I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's a bit much. I don't think they want to grind anyone's nose in it. Um, though falling all the way, you know, uh, to number fifteen, that might give them that impetus. But uh, but hey, if we could get one of those Vince Young, I'm angry and I need to make somebody hurt for it games, sixty nine to seven would be pretty nice. I think it's probably closer to like a twenty eight point game, but that's still a really. Casey Thompson plays the whole fourth quarter kind of situation. All right, I like that you're the rational one. I I appreciate where you stand. Let's let's talk now about all things uh, college football and greater that involve the Longhorns. Do our our favorite segment here on these these Thursday podcasts where we talk about the burnt orange lenses and Bijan Robinson. We all know his name by now, five star running back. Um, Officially goes over 6,000 yards on Friday, and, and when you hear that, I don't mean he had 6,000 on Friday, though it seemed like it to the defense, I think, um, which is just you know crazy when you think about how dominant this guy is, um, how, how much better he is than the people who line up uh, against him, and so just just makes you salivate uh, about him getting here on the 40 acres. Texas, as we've talked about, needs some help which is is a good thing to see. Uh, I mean, Bijan's putting up video game numbers, and, and it's exciting to see it. I'm really, really excited. Uh, to, that, that running back room in a span of, of 18 months will go from being a question mark to being a strength because you should have Bijan. You should have, um, you know, you'll have obviously Keontae. You might still have Roshan. Darian Brown will be back. So, like, that, that, that group is a guy that, that I would take into battle with me. Yeah, Gerald... <laughs> Do you know how many yards he's averaging per touch this season? Oh man, this this feels like another one where I'm going to guess a number that seems really high and it's probably not high enough. 25. 
he's spot on. He's averaging a quarter of the field per touch. That that's that's unbelievable. Like, and he's obviously the best player. They keep giving it to him. That's nuts, man. Golly, to be that good at anything. I I'm not that good at breathing, very clearly, and <laughs> and I do that to stay alive. So like that's it's ridiculous. Uh, we'll, 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 there's plenty of recruiting we could talk. We'll end it on this. Jaquindon Jackson looking very good as well. Um, when we talk about that quarterback position, had 223 yards and three touchdowns this week. The, the riches are there. It's fun to watch these guys who are very committed to UT perform on Fridays gives one more data point when you're watching football uh, that you can cheer for. So um, plenty more to come on the recruiting front. We'll talk through that. There was also in the next level, though, some good NFL uh, Longhorn news. Um, Justin Tucker gave the fastest uh, kicker in NFL history to 1000 career points. Um, just, I think by any way you slice it, uh, Justin Ticker, Justin Tucker, uh, ticker, ticker, the kicker, um, is right now the greatest kicker in NFL history um, by the prolific, the amount he's, the way he's kicking long field goals. No one's ever done it quite like that. His accuracy numbers, he is the most accurate of all time, and he just doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. He's so young in the kicker sphere of things um, that he could conceivably do it for another decade you know Vinatieri uh is like 65 and still going so I mean Tucker could do it for a while unless he goes pro in 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 opera singing (laughs) I don't even know what to do with that uh like when you when you said that he's the greatest my eyes went wide and then I thought like he's he's younger than you and I Kyle which means he probably has at least 10 if not 15 more years of the NFL in him if he just continues at that pace yeah, I was I was a bit facetious. Vinatieri's forty six, Tucker is twenty nine. So if you just take that, this might be Vinatieri's last year. That's that's seventeen more seasons if he has that long of a career, and that's kind of the kicker he's he's mostly um, been compared to. So um, yeah, a, a good ten, fifteen more uh, for for Justin Tucker. But uh, not the only one making news. Uh, Chuck, our boy, keeps when we make guys. I'm going to segue real quick. When we say this guy was woefully underrated in the NFL draft, he's going to perform at the next level. Write it down. Mark it down. We we went on at length about how much two we love. Two <laughs> We went on at length about uh, a certain defensive tackle. Gerald, what's his name? Puda. Oh, I'm so glad you had the voice for that. I was worried you didn't. Uh, obviously, we've been proven I've always correct. got a voice for that. <laughs> and now uh, with, with Chuck... Um, which we need a, a good throaty cheer for, but but he had a strip sack of Patrick Mahomes again. Um, most folks preseason MVP and in, in, in greatest show uh, on grass, I guess, um, up in the NFL, and 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 he just looked fantastic in that game. He has had a really really effective season for the Texans and made uh, uh, the loss of Jadavion Clowney um, really seem palatable. And you think they must, the Texans, I never want to assume knew what they were doing, but they must have known (laughs) something about how good Chuck was once they saw him that they were able to make that trade. I can't really say that the Texans know what they're doing as long (laughs) as Bill O'Brien is still calling the shots. I'm just going to be really, really honest with you. Uh, But it worked out really well, and 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 Chuck Omenihu is definitely working out for them as a guy that they. It, it seemed like they took a late round flyer on a hometown guy, and it, it worked out well. 
Yeah, and in in Rick Smith, the other one, all of our Houston uh, listeners know very well. No longer the GM of the Texans uh, for reason. So the other fantastic news that you heard us give updates a couple weeks in a row. Uh, they have kind of prolonged playoffs where they don't play very very quickly, but so it's been going on a bit. But we have official news: uh, Ariel Atkins again. Everyone's uh, what did we say? Uh, alliterative athlete Ariel Atkins um, is a WNBA champion. Gerald, that's fantastic. We have. Longhorns winning all over the place at every level, but uh, huge hook'em and congrats to Ariel Atkins and her Washington Mystics, um, the, the franchise's first uh, and the UT's fourth uh, player to win the WNBA championship. The Washington Mystics are a really, really good team. And, you know, uh, Elena Deladon probably had a lot to do with that. I'm just going to throw that sure. out there. But but Ariel Atkins is also a contributor for them. Uh, she played 25 minutes, and you know what? She got seven rebounds. So, like, that's that's decent playing time for her on a team where Elena Deladon gets most of the rebounds. Absolutely. And she also just is one of the best defenders, if not the best defender on that defense. So um, in the games they won, she definitely stood out. So I think there is a future uh, to, to her getting there, hopefully for a couple more. So let's move to the final piece we're going to talk here. And I called this little section the uh, others receiving votes. But we're going to talk about college football and the rankings right now. UT obviously fell uh, down to number 15 after the loss. Oh, you didn't really move up. They were already number five in one poll and six in the other. They're now unanimously number five as UT is unanimous number 15. But there are some other teams in Texas to think about when we talk through the rankings. SMU coming off a bye week uh, moved up to number 19, which is fantastic. They should be the second highest ranked team in Texas. But there was a team that snuck up in between there. Coming in at number 18 was the Baylor Bears, who I don't know if you watched any of that overtime game but they absolutely should not have won they had a fumble on a shotgun snap that they called an illegal snap tech recovered um there was no reason they absolutely cost tech the game baylor had to get a field goal even to send it into overtime ended up winning it um so fantastic performance from them matt rule is coaching a heck of a job down there uh in waco but they certainly should not be uh at 18 because they should have lost to tech uh this week yeah, the the butt bowl turned out to end in a very, uh, very booty butt kind fumble. of way. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's no two ways around it. Like that was that was just a terrible ending. Now, granted, like if that if that call goes, depending on the team that you're cheering for and the way the calls go, is generally how you feel about those things. And I will generally want to see bad things happen to Baylor until their fans stop defending Art Bryles. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, uh, I think Art was actually in some hot, hot water this week as well with some uh, some recruiting violations, which just recruiting in general shouldn't do it in high school football. Shocking. Art Bryles yeah. doing something shady. Shocked. Yeah, he's following the Buddy Garrity school of high school uh, roster assembly. Um, LSU uh, jumped to number two in both of the polls. Um, the uh, Longhorn fans obviously are interested in that because – uh, we are leading the country right now, I believe, in quality losses with a one-score loss to uh, number five Oklahoma and a one-score loss to uh, to number two LSU. Uh, you could definitely make the argument that LSU uh, should be number one, and they'll get to test that when they play Bama here in a couple weeks. But speaking of Alabama, they remain number one after beating a some three and three team that was inexplicably ranked. I I don't know how, um, and is still inexplicably 
in the the namesake here, the others receiving votes, they've fallen out of the top twenty five. Yes, that's your Texas A and M farmers. Um, the 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 crazy thing is that they still received three votes in the AP and fourteen in the coaches for a team that has beaten a collection of schools that would make Kansas fans blush at embarrassment for having having played them, mostly FCS or the absolute bottom of the Power Five. They're basically playing sacks of laundry at that point. Like that's what they're doing. <laughs> uh, just the actual jersey itself. <laughs> that's a literal straw man. <laughs> Um, hopefully, uh, A&M will lose some more. They have a couple more losses on the schedule and get entirely out of the voting part. Preseason rankings for the SEC are the death of college football. No reason, uh, all these teams should be ranked. But the funny thing when I looked at these other receiving votes is directly behind the Aggies and in one spot in one poll and two spots in the other, the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs, Gerald, they (laughs) basically... Texas A&M right now is is uh, the equivalent of the the team that that we thirty eight to zeroed with our starters and pulled everyone in the third quarter to let them you know get an early rest and, and try to sprint back to the uh, to the locker room to get the first dibs on the Popeyes chicken sandwiches. I mean, if Louisiana Tech can crack the the rankings, Texas has a legitimate chance at having one of the toughest strength of schedules in the entire country. It's like how many ranked teams have they played? Real talk. They have played. Yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. And then the next one here is, is uh, Iowa State is is right now twenty um, sixth or somewhere around 29th in the other poll in the others receiving votes. So they're right on the cusp. Uh, you know, Baylor's going to be there. You obviously curious what Oklahoma State is. They can turn it around or Tech, one of those teams to sneak in the back end. We'll see. I don't know, um, but that will obviously have a lot to do with it with the Big Twelve. Um, I think Rice being on the schedule does hurt. Uh, however, that SOS. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. That the Texas will get every benefit um, for having one score losses to uh, two playoff contender teams. Two two teams that will likely end up in the conversation for this college football playoff, who have quarterbacks that will likely end up in the conversation for the Heisman Trophy. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Godrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Connect with us on Facebook, the Longhorn Republic, and shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. You can also hopefully find me at the doctor's office tomorrow morning getting a steroid shot to get this stuff cleaned up. So hopefully next week I won't sound like this. Kyle, till next time, hook em. Hook em. Puka Shells greater than Puka Williams. <laughs>